comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Ichabod Crane. Good morrow, and welcome to the Ichapod Cranecast, the podcast that recaps each week's new episode of the Fox television series, Sleepy Hollow. I am Aaron, and joining me, as always, is Brandon. Hey. And Maxwell. Pleasure to be here, folks. Uh, tonight's episode is The Golem. That was that was with this week's episode. And Maxwell, what is that episode about? Okay, in The Golem, while attempting to communicate with Katrina in Purgatory, Ichabod and Henry Parrish also known as the Senator, unwittingly unleash a new evil. All right. <laughs> That's a way to describe it, and we'll get into that and more, but let's get to some announcement stuff first. First things first, this is going to be the last show for a while because the um, Sleepy Hollow is not going to be on the air for until January, until basically after the holiday season, and it's uh, <laughs> it's going away. It'll come back. We'll come back with it. Um, we might do something in between. I don't know. You guys, would you guys want to do something in between the break if we figured out something to do? <laughs> sure. I'd love to. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. We'll uh, we'll update the Twitter and the, the Facebook um, pages if anything does come about, of course. So we'll just uh, we'll go from there. Um, Speaking of which, yeah. follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. If you listen to the show, enjoy us on social media and spread the word to all of your friends. Yeah, that's uh, twitter.com slash ichapodcrane and facebook.com slash ichapodcrane. And, of course, email is ichapodcranecast at gmail.com. And we'll get into more places you can follow us later on. But um, what else? Uh, the fa- uh, the voicemail. Um, we I announced last week that we do have a voicemail line now, and that, you know, that hasn't changed. If you want to leave a voicemail for the show, uh, dial 972-798-3830, 972-798-3830. Uh, leave a message. Uh, indicate that you're, you want to leave a message for the Icapod Cranecast. And we'll eventually get that voicemail and be able to play it in uh, upcoming episodes. Um, other things, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. Helps out the show, helps other people find our show. We certainly like to have more listeners listen in, of course. And, you know, it's also nice to, you know, ha- hear, some, hear some thoughts from people on iTunes regarding our show. Uh, last, the last thing, this just happened actually. I was a guest this evening on the Sleepy Hollow Addicts podcast on, a, on Blog Talk Radio. Fun to be on there. Really happy to. Thanks to Chrissy for inviting inviting me. Um, and uh, yeah, we just talked about the the show in general and the, the latest episode. And uh, yeah, happy to happy to be involved. Happy to do some cross promotion. It's just like when the Jetsons met the Flintstones. That's how I'm referring to it. All right. So moving on, I guess let's get to the the episode of the week, the Golem. And um, overall, uh, what what? Uh, before we get into that, I just also want to give a, a nice shout out to. Uh, Mo Ryan, TV critic of the Huffington Post, they recently started their own Sleepy Hollow podcast and were nice enough to shout us out on Twitter, so give them a listen as well, Sleepyheads, if you're looking for more people discussing Sleepy Hollow. Should we discuss this, the Sleepyheads business? Is that a, <laughs> so that's what we're going with? <laughs> I mean, the thing of it is, is when a fandom adopts a name, you can either, you kind of just have to go with it. I don't love it, but it makes sense. It always gets head put with everything. 
right? I mean, it does nail like double aspects of it. You have the sleepy, and you have the heads. Mm-hmm. Can, we, headless can, we, person. can we be headless heads? <laughs> headless heads. Headless heads. Can we be called the regulars? Can we bring that back? I don't follow. The regulars are coming. The regulars. Yeah, I don't think so. That's going to work for me. Regular heads. I think that's a little too <laughs> specific. Okay. The thing is, is what if you because go... brown coats is so easy to understand right away, right? Well, <laughs> it, it's more flavorful than the regulars. Right. We talk about anything. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we'll table this one for now. I, I guess. I guess Maxwell. Um, <laughs> that's, well, that's if you have an opinion on what Sleepy Hollow fans should be called, tweet us or call in the voicemail. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, there Leave we go. Voicemail. That's the way to do it. Let's get the listeners in on this one. I don't mind sleepy heads at all, really. It's just I like, don't either. <laughs> I'm just picking fights for no reason. Okay, let's move on to the episode of the Golem. Um, <laughs> initial thoughts on this? What, what, what did you think this episode was going to be about? There's a new question I want to ask. An episode called The Golem. Like, are you familiar with the term the golem and Jewish yes. folklore and all that? Yeah, absolutely. I figured there would be a golem in it, and maybe a little bit of maybe a, a little bit uh, more further exploration on uh, Ichabod's son, but we got far more on that than maybe I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought it would, you know, involve. The sun in some capacity because it's like a weird. Cl- it's a not. It's a pretty big cliffhanger to end on last week. So yeah, it did that for sure. So let's okay. Let's just get into it then. Episode starts. Abby joins. It. No recap this week, by the way. Or I mean, there was like a previously on, but it wasn't like a, there wasn't like a super long like explanation as to what the show is about. Notice that, guys. I did notice oh, that, yeah. and I kind of think Fox and everyone figures, you know, by episode ten of a relatively uh, mythology rich series, if you're not on board already, then oops, too late. I, I have a feeling since it's. You know, taking a month break here. When it comes back, maybe the first episode we'll have again, and then a few episodes early on in season two will probably bring it back. You heard it here, Brandon. Bet his life on this. This is my crazy season. prediction. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> I'm curious. How... <laughs> I'm curious how long Buffy did that the first season. Like I think we all talked about how Buffy used to do that in the Buffy did it through season two or three. Really? Yeah, yeah. they did it. Yeah, they did it a while. And if I... While interestingly, the Vampire Diaries just started doing it in their fourth season last year, and Grimm did it for about the first six episodes of the second season, and the fans hated it, so they cut it. Right. So there's something about supernatural series where the shows decide to have like a built-in description of who these characters are and what they do before jumping into these episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It certainly doesn't seem to be because they need to pad the show out because they all seem like really full episodes that are really <laughs> rushing to get as much done as they can. So That's for sure, especially this one. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Okay, Abby joins Ichabod at the cabin where he's working through his anger by chopping wood. His head is swimming with questions about the son he just learned he had and never got to meet. He especially wants to know why his wife didn't tell him she was pregnant. Um, so he wants to contact Katrina. That's what he thinks. He's like, I need, this is how I'm going to get answers. So he reaches out to the only man he knows might be able to help, Henry Parrish, played by John Noble, of course, the Sin Eater, who helped him, who helped separate Ichabod's blood from the horseman. Henry pulls up in a taxi. So how did it, like, do you think there was like a phone call that he made? It was like, hey, I, uh, I learned something and I need your help. You want to come over? Does Ichabod have a cell phone that we know? There's nothing in the cabin, right? Uh, he does have, doesn't he have a phone? I think we didn't have because he's he's left Abby messages before, like he left him. He has a like a old like a rotary phone <laughs> or something. Old timey. <laughs> no, he definitely knows how to use. Maybe tweeted him was like, "What's up, Senator? At Senator, get over here now." Maybe they're on Twitter together. 
from at ick. Yeah, <laughs> at ick. <laughs> fills the minimums. Um, you know, while they're chopping the wood, there's also a conversation about like eggnog and where the or Ichabod's or showing the that he knows the origins of eggnog, egg and grog mixed together. Um, I thought it was funny. Uh, just more. and he's using that axe again. Yep, chopping away. Yeah, I would not have expected this show to do a, a Christmas episode. Yeah, well, you had the Thanksgiving episode. I, it's funny. It's funny. We have all these other holidays, and we didn't get a Halloween episode. Like that's the that's the thing. We, that's the thing we you missed. Have, you have to imagine they're gonna. I'm pull out all the stops next season for a Halloween episode. Yeah, it's where well, they. It, it depends it, on the World Series. That's that's the problem. I guess so, but at the same time, I'd love to see Ichabod be invited to the police police ball annual Halloween costume contest and like he dresses up as like a ghost with a sheet over him or something i don't know whatever or he just goes as himself and wins because that shit is authentic uh, yeah but that's a year later he's like that's old news about that's the reaction i think morales would have <laughs> <laughs> oh excuse me <laughs> 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 all right let's keep <laughs> all right so uh parish pulls up in the taxi in uh they go inside parish isn't sure how he can help Ichabod, Ichabod basically has requested that he help him get in contact with Katrina, but he's never tried that kind of contact before. He's a sin eater, not a, you know, phone person. I don't know. Um, he warns Ichabod that his life would be in danger if he did, in fact, go into the other realm to talk to her so because he'd be tempting fate. Ichabod thinks, thinks not doing it would be far worse a risk, so finally, Henry basically agrees. He cautions Abby that what he's about to do is going to be very scary and that she can't interrupt. Uh, Henry then urges Ichabod to think of Katrina. Then he starts to strangle him. Uh, he says, I told you the closer he is to death, the shorter distance there is to travel. What was your reaction to, to uh, Henry Parrish's approach to getting Ichabod to jump into the spirit world or purgatory or whatever? I thought it was pretty funny. I didn't, I didn't think like, oh man, he's strangling him. I just figured he was doing his thing. Yeah. At first, but um, that was supposed to shock us. It kind of failed, but I, I thought it was kind of funny. I was still just so enthused that John Noble was back. <laughs> um, so Ichabod goes woozy, obviously, except he, he sees himself suddenly in a church. There's a baby carriage with a doll inside. He sees Katrina and cuts right to the chase, you know, asks questioning about the son, why she didn't tell him whatnot. Uh, the baby's name was Jeremy, after Ichabod's grandfather. She didn't know she was pregnant when she buried him, and neither did her coven when they punished her for doing so. Uh, she learned of her condition in Europe in search of a spell to unbind him from the horsemen. When she returned, her coven perse- persecuted her, so she sought refuge at the house of Lachlan Fredericks, the house we were at in Sanctuary on last week's episode, um, where she gave birth to Jeremy. She knew the coven would be after him if they knew about him, so she left him with Grace, Abby's ancestor, and her husband, a pastor, with and with the doll that she made for him, promising it would protect her. That was the last. That was the last time she saw him in the church, like the one there's, like the one they're standing in in the in this purgatory place. It's it's in her purgatory where her coven banished her, and she lights a candle for him once a day. Uh, she apologizes to Ichabod and promises that he'll find out what happened to him and get her out. And, oh, I read that wrong. She, apo- she apologizes and Ichabod promises that he'll find out what happened to Jeremy and get her out of purgatory. Suddenly, there's a pounding on the door. Katrina urges him to return to his realm as a creature bursts through the door. Ichabod awakes from the cabin floor and tells Abby what he's learned. I mean, and then we cut to like out in the woods and some crazy monster thing digs itself out of the earth. And that's where we get to our kind of first uh, the, the intro. That's the end of the first part of the show and it's one of the shorter ones it was only 
a little under 12 minutes, yeah. I think, before uh, we got to the, the opening credit sequence. Yeah, it was shorter, and it, it's not just because like we cut out the kind of recap of the series so far, but it just yeah. it was just legit shorter for a change. Yeah. Is everything going okay, Sleepy Hollow, or <laughs> feeling <laughs> all right? Uh, so yeah, what do we think of this? Uh, the whole kind of explanation for the sun and everything in this first part of the episode? Well, it, I mean takes Katrina right out of the running of why would, you know, any, you know, this opening segment of the episode, any questions you had as to why Katrina may have kept this from Ichabod or what happened to the sun, they're pretty much, for the most part, answered right away before the first commercial break, and then we'll delve more into some details, you know, when we come back, which is, you know, pretty cool. This show answers its questions almost not, I mean, they let, they let you hang a little bit, but they don't make you wait to wonder what happened to Coulson. well here's the thing it's like yes it does answer its questions but at the same time at this point and in this episode i almost feel like it's answering them a little too quickly and thus not allowing the questions themselves to breathe at all it seems a little rushed at least this episode that's a fair sentiment i guess we could as we move on, I guess we'll, we can delve more into that. So uh, let's let's do that now. After the break, back in the cabin, Abby suggests that they check the library's historical records. Uh, Henry perishes in a hurry to get to his train, but Ichabod and Abby ask him to stay for a little while longer. He agrees. Um, they drive off, and the creature kind of watches them. Meanwhile, <laughs> this is our first of many meanwhiles in New York. Uh, our, our good old police captain Irv meets with his pastor, asking about a sermon he once gave about two witnesses. The pastor explains that the New Testament says witness mean, <laughs> means martyr and that the two are destined to die. The apostles that follow them usually suffer the same fate. Irving is very frustrated. He's thinking he's given enough in his public service and having his daughter get hit by a car, which we find out in this episode. That's what happened to his daughter. She got hit by a car. That's why she's in a wheelchair. He wonders if God has a plan and who it's for. So he's kind of, I guess, can we assume that Irving, I guess, lost his faith at some point and is feeling very conflicted about that now that you know all this supernatural stuff is happening in his life a little bit maybe he's certainly been challenged challenged and open it's kind of like reluctantly maybe going back to it or dabbling and just getting more bad news because he, he questions his you know he for all he's done he's just gonna die for it and he doesn't seem to be too happy with or accepting of that because it's very de- doom and gloom i definitely think he's questioning his faith but i also think it's likely that something more tangible occurred between him and this particular preacher earlier on. And I'm interested to know what that is. Well, it's nice that we're kind of filling in more blanks involving uh, Irving. And I mean, I, I mean, the, the wife stuff feels a bit like a kind of a plot device, but the, I mean, the daughter stuff we'll get to, but I, I, I enjoy that relationship. So it's nice to, I mean, we're seeing, and uh, this preacher, this, this uh, church thing is like a new kind of, element as well so i like though you know earlier on we were talking about how irving had like really nothing to offer besides the gruff police captain character so now that we're delving into it more i am appreciating of the show's addressing that which it was bound to do anyway so and that orlando jones is doing a good job as a you know as a dramatic actor which you pointed out last week but he just seems to be delivering what he needs to for this character it was just interesting to have scenes with him completely removed from everyone else in the past, even last time, uh, when they started to develop his character more and give villain more of the blanks, it still felt one with the the whole. And his, because, this week felt 
almost a harsh juxtaposition, like it was shoehorned in. It could have like gone into any episode. Yeah, like if he hasn't been with uh, like the main group on the mission, like Abby or Ichabod, or even uh, or like you know I count Jenny in that group, then he's been like a quick phone call and meet up with me here, meet up with me now, and then except for the one episode where we had the Matrix axe dodge. <laughs> but I mean, that's pretty much what he's been when he's not been with the group or part of the actual plot. It's been a phone call, you know, something here or there. And I guess we'll get to this more as we get on in the episode, but there's a very, I guess, it's serving as a setup for something else as we get to the end of kind of his subplot in this episode. And I guess that's why it's present here, despite feeling kind of out of place compared to everything else that's going on. It's a, it's a kind of a weird C plot to an extent, but it, it serves some kind of purpose in the form of future episodes will rely on this piece of information that we got in this episode, I guess. But uh, yeah, let's keep, let's keep going with the episode. At the library, after after um, talking to the librarian and basically sweet talking her, they find a record that mentions Grace dying in a in a in a dying young in a fire. Uh, the record says the townspeople were afraid of Jeremy. They had seen him start fires just by crying. He apparently in- inherited Katrina's powers, but he survived the fire unharmed while Grace and Joseph died. Uh, so basically, Jeremy's responsible for murder for. The, he's, he's responsible for the deaths of Abby's ancestors, which kind of sucks. But uh, uh, the record says only that Jeremy was sent to an orphanage for children of the war after this. Um, Henry, Henry suggests the librarian, Miss Hudson, knows more than she's saying, and uh, lying, because lying is a sin and he can sense it. During this time, there's a piece of mistletoe discovered, uh, which Ichabod knows about, among all the other things that he doesn't even know about. The mistletoe is something that he was aware of. Um, and I put in my notes, no kiss, exclamation point, just because it seemed like, hey, there is something, and then nothing nothing happens from that. After Henry suggests the librarian knows more than what she's saying, they go to look for her, and they find her, they, uh, we we see that she's outside in her car, and the creature uh, suddenly reaches through, reaches at her through the window, through her window. Uh, they all come outside and find her crushed and flattened in the <laughs> inside of her own car. Pretty gruesome image, right? Yeah, pretty gnarly stuff. I think that's and that's the end of the. Well, it's tagged with um with Henry saying, um, "I think I'm gonna miss my train," and then we get to another commercial. Um, yeah, do do you um do you think there's anything to his obsessions with with trains and schedules, or just a little quirk to make him a more interesting character? I think that's definitely more the case, just to kind of give him kind of a. Yeah, a quirky personality, give him something to kind of work with. Uh, it, might, it might have to do if I something about like the precision of trains and time and things like that, if that factors into him in his own life. Any other thoughts on the crushed librarian, or can I move on? Yeah, there was, I mean, like what you were saying earlier, there, there could have been more there, but it felt a little rushed with her. The minute we find out something, she's gone. All right, well, I'll move on then. Back in New York, Irv picks up his daughter Macy from his, from his ex-wife. From, from Cynthia, he tells her he's sorry he was gone so much. She says if she if he said that a year ago, he'd still be living there. Uh, Macy overhears this conversation. <laughs> so yeah, we're getting the kind of the shrew wife plot device going on, but then we move on from there. So yeah, back in the archives, Icky and Abby go through the librarian's effects. Ichabod explains his struggles with with the lang- with the way the language has changed and his. Di- <laughs> so they have this whole intercourse conversation. He says in his day, intercourse meant conversation and awful meant awe-inspiring. Um, Abby then states, so if I went out with a guy and he had, we had awful intercourse, we'd be going on a second date, which made me laugh. 
out loud quite a bit, actually. I thought the deadpan delivery was pretty good on that one. Um, Ichabod responds with disconcerting yet accurate. accurate. Um, then, let's see, Abby takes out a box. When she sets it on the table, it sends a shiver through Henry. He says it's filled with pain. Uh, it bears a symbol for Katrina's co- coven, uh, the Sisterhood of the Radiant Heart, So, which establishes that the librarian was a witch, and that explains her odd reaction to Ichabod, who knew who she he was as she knew who he was. Uh, Ichabod opens the box, and Henry says it reeks of death and pain. There's a drawing of Katrina's handmade doll for Jeremy inside of it. Abby saw the same doll in her vision of Katrina on last week's episode. Um, Henry touches it and tells Ichabod he thinks the misery inside was Jeremy's. Uh, Okay, let's see. Henry has a vision of Jeremy being whipped in an orphanage by the priest. Uh, Jeremy bled onto the doll his mother made him and called upon her promise to protect him, which created the creature out of his pain and rage. The creature looks like a giant, muscle-bound version of the hand-stitched doll. In this vision, it attacks the vicious priest and snaps his neck, then bows to Jeremy. Ichabod realizes that what he saw in the church with Katrina, and he thought he felt it again. That's what he saw in the church with Katrina, and he thought he felt it again in the woods at the cabin. It has followed Ichabod back. Uh, they they think it attacked Miss Hudson because she was a member of the coven who banished Jeremy's mother. Am I the only one that found all this stuff a little hard to follow, or convoluted? Maybe. I can I, s- I watched this episode twice just to. It just, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in the right state of mind but it just seems like a lot of 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 exposition or a lot of plot really quickly shoved into a short time i guess i could say it was very fast paced that's for sure you're getting a lot of information i agree with you i can't say i had a i I didn't have trouble following following it necessarily mainly because i (laughs) i'm taking like all these notes and like watching the episode really closely but i mean it it's only presenting a lot of information that seems less 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 straightforward, I guess, than other episodes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I still feel like the kind of the visuals going on really kind of add to what we're seeing. Like, we have, because we, we get, we, I mean, we, we get to see, I mean, this, and Sleepy Hollow's never been short on flashbacks and whatnot anyway, but I mean, we get to see Jeremy getting whipped and we see these imagery of this golem creature coming out and everything. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, there's, a, yeah, there's a lot of exposition in this episode and, I can, I guess I could see how it could be hard to follow, but I mean, per- personally, it, it wasn't something that threw me through a loop of like comprehending this kind of stuff. No, I mean, I wasn't suggesting that. It was just seemed like a lot in a little amount of time, which just, I don't know. I felt like I was being almost yelled at with stuff to remember. That's <laughs> that fair. Yeah. Ultimately, didn't add up to too much. I would have rathered it. I guess focus on, which it did to an extent, but I thought it would have been a better approach if it focused more on Ichabod's emotional reaction to everything that was going on with his son instead of all of this backstory with the coven. That's fair, and I guess that comes with you know the, the length of this season. Yeah, you only have so many episodes to tell a story, and at some point you're just going to have to run into a place where you need to get a lot of story out of the way if you're prepping other episodes that are more important for different reasons. I, I think we can probably reflect on this once we get through the end of the season and like our favorite episodes of this season or whatnot, but so I sometimes you just have to cram a lot of information when you can, and that doesn't mean the show could be excused for that, but I, I guess I can... This episode certainly, I, I think it's a downshift from some of the previous episodes. I wouldn't say it's as good as other episodes, per se. It's certainly not a bad episode, but I mean, it, yeah, I, I can... See how it's rushing in a lot of information for the sake of you having that information for fu- for the future, I guess. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Moving on. We get back. 
We're in New York again. Irv takes a walk of his daughter in the park. He stops to get her a chocolate when the vendor's eyes gloss over and he tells him that God may have a plan for him, but we have a plan for him too. Irv grabs the guy, but the demon's spirit transfers to a woman by wa- a woman walking by. Two cops see all this. Uh, they see him shaking up a confused hot chocolate vendor. He shows his badge, and apparently that just excuses his actions for some reason, but his daughter <laughs> is still weirded out. Uh, before we get to how hilarious this scene is, uh, what, who did... Does everyone know the film Fallen with Denzel Washington? Because that's yes. exactly the vibe that I got from this. Like the, for, for, I was unfamiliar. For listeners, unfamiliar. Fallen's a, it's kind of a supernatural procedural where Denzel Washington is chasing after a murderer, but the murderer happens to be a Zazel, a demon that can kind of transfer himself to other people just by touch. And so that's what I got here, where like the demons in one guy, and then he touches someone else, and suddenly the demons in that person, and the other guy's like, "What was happening? I don't understand what's going on." So that was the exact vibe that I got from this whole scene right here. If they so, don't remember Fallen, they got to remember the trailer. And Elias Cotu singing, Time is on my side. Yeah. And it, uh, that movie ends with uh, uh, Sympathy for the Devil, our theme song for this podcast, of course. Yes. Axel, were you saying something? I was going to say, in, in, in many ways, it's also similar to, and I think I brought the show up before, Supernatural. Um, the visual on that show of a demon going from one body to another is more um, overt, but they still function in much the same way, wherein they can jump from body to body to torment or trick people without them being aware of what's going on. Okay, and um, so yeah, so so getting back to Irv grabs a guy and then shows cops his badge. That's <laughs> That's ridiculous, right? He's just, there's no explanation for any of this. He just kind of like, it's okay. I'm a police officer. I can shake people. Like, well, that's... I like I like that he's just shaking him, and then they're like got guns on him immediately, <laughs> and he's and he's got to go slow to show his badge. Like he's just he was just like shaking the guy. It wasn't I, I, nobody's life was in danger. I don't think that was it was just a, an act of being rough and I, I don't know. Gunpoint. Right? If, I, if you, hot chocolate's very really you know, dangerous. Like, yes. if, you're, if you're shaking people the around a hot vendor. chocolate vendor, like yeah. <laughs> you don't know what could happen. So. Uh, um, kind of skip yeah, that. The whole scene was ridiculous. I didn't. It didn't work for me at all. At all, really? Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I know. I understood what they were trying to achieve. Um, you know, they're trying to, you know, impart to the Irving character how, for him, someone who's not as you know, intertwined by fate into these um, demonic going-ons, the um, threat that could befall him and his family. But it just felt kind of hackneyed to me, this scene. Now, and again, think, I think... Go ahead. I was, do you think that this, this concept is going to be played with and it was introduced here, or was was it just something to have forced in there to have something supernaturally relevant to Irving's story? I think it'll be played with. I think um, the way they introduced his family and the way they're now continuing it on, I would say before the end of the season, something bad and or potentially life-threatening will occur to... One of them? One of them. By the way, I think we said... We we were skeptical last week about whether or not Irving's family would come back this season. <laughs> they, they, they both come, like I thought the daughter would at least come back. They def, they both came back this episode, which was kind of humorous to me. Yeah, I, see, I know what you're saying, and I again, I think it's just a matter of given the short season and given what needs to occur. I'm assuming in a season finale where you know the stakes get raised and all bets are off, that kind of thing. 
you just need to have an episode like this where you're inserting a lot more information, which includes involving Irving in some manner as well, which is coming in the form of pos- you know possible threats to his family and things that are going to raise the stakes for him as well, and not just Ichabod and Abby, but just everyone that's kind of in their circle. And so, yeah, I... I can forgive the show more than you can, but I certainly understand it as a problem, and or at least not a not a thing that makes the episode better, but in fact makes it just feel kind of like a necessary thing to happen in order to progress the story along. Well, it kind of it kind of feels like you know they're going along with the, sh- the show, having some fun. These early episodes, they already had this awesome finale like planned out, and they're going to do it, and then they're like, "Hey, hey, guys, guys, dude, we only have like four episodes left." And, and and we already have the finale doing this, so we've got to yeah, jam yeah. it all here. Yeah, it's backpedaling away from the kind of ridiculous fun that this show tends to have, even though I think it does have that in certain sequences of this episode, but in favor of, of providing a lot more explanation for things so you just have an understanding of where things are headed, or at least aren't surprised by where things go based on the knowledge you already obtained from one episode. Anyway, moving on. Um, let's see. Back in uh, Sleepy Hollow, Henry finds Ichabod feeling guilty about bringing his son's rage into the world then and now. Um, he's, uh, Henry states, whatever became of your son, you speak for him now, Henry says. Uh, he thinks Jeremy was good because he was molded from Ichabod's clay. Uh, the phrase reminds Ichabod of Washington's Washington's Bible, which he just explain, exclaims, Washington's Bible, which made me laugh quite a bit. <laughs> Anytime Washington's Bible comes up, it tends to make me laugh. Uh, which Katrina used to bury him with. Um, Ichabod runs to look up a passage and realizes they're dealing with a golem, a creature made from mud and imbued with his creator's passions. Abby remembers seeing four women in black veils like the ones the librarian has ticket stubs from visiting at carnivals. Uh, They're members of the same coven, which means the golem is after them. They're the ones who banished Katrina, which Ichabod thinks means they could bring her back. Um, they find a, a ticket stub for Carnival outside of town, which is the most convenient thing ever. Um, they they reach it. Ichabod insists on going to speak for the four who speak as one alone, given what they did to his wife. Uh, so let's stop there. How convenient is the fact that there's a Carnival like right outside of town? <laughs> <laughs> Reminded me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. Carnival right outside of town. Yep. A movie uh, conveniently not seen. <laughs> don't yeah, don't you don't need to do that. That yeah, that was such a. <laughs> it was just like, hey, there's a ticket. We can. There's <laughs> it's right outside town. We can go forth. And just like, okay, really? Like that. The, uh, on this show of all, all shows, fate, Aaron, it's all fate. <laughs> okay, there you got me. It's all destinies fate. entwined with carnivals. Uh, moving on inside, one one of these witches looks at. At Ichabod's palm, they lift their black veils to reveal their weird-colored eyes and dirty, jagged teeth. Uh, they tell him that it, they tell Ichabod that it was foretold that his arrival would seal their fate. Uh, Tonight we die, they say. Uh, they don't see any point in trying to avoid their destiny. Uh, Katrina did the. Uh, well, he, Ichabod tells them the golem is coming. They know it. They tell him that the people hunted Jeremy and the and golem and the golem centuries ago. They're able to send the creature to purgatory, but Jeremy's powers were too great. So instead, they stopped his heart and buried him. Uh, they tell him only his son's blood, which gave the golem life, can kill the golem. So stopping right there, do we think Jer- do we do we think Jeremy's dead for good? Because I, I don't. I think Jeremy could probably come back in some way. But do you think, given what the, how they kind of trapped Jeremy inside of they kind of buried him and then put a hex on him? Do you think he's 
do you think Jeremy has potential to come back in some way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I right. Think, I yeah. Think yeah. He doesn't. Yeah. There's no point to all this if he doesn't show up. Yeah. Honestly, I was surprised he didn't pop out at the end of the episode in some way, but I, we got to leave something for a second. They were actually patient about that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Ichabod leaves the witches and rejoins Abby just as the golem attacks the witches. Abby and Henry take take to refuge, but the golem shatters the fun, fun shatters a funhouse mirror. Uh, basically, they all kind of wind up. They kind of wind up in front of like a funhouse mirror. Uh, Ichabod's incredibly confused by this. He says, "What does he say?" Um, Is um, he... Earl does does Parrish say something? They both say something, right? No, he, basically, Ichabod says something like. It... Is irony uh, a new, like a new American pastime or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're kind of hiding behind the mirrors. Get shattered. A shard hits Ichabod, and Henry suggests that Ichabod's blood is the same as is the same as Jeremy as Jeremy's, which means that he can stop it with his own blood. This seemed very obvious to me, did not to you? Like that Ichabod's blood is the same as Jeremy's, so obviously that's the way to. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> yeah, like it's like, come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, um, so yeah, the Ichabod approaches the goal with the shard. He tries to tell it that it doesn't have to fight anymore and that it only exists because he was because he wasn't around. Uh, but when the goal the goal the golem seems like it's kind of going to back off, but then it charges anyway. So Ichabod has no choice but to stab it with the glass shard. Ichabod takes its hand as it lies on the ground and tells it he can move on from his life of pain. Ichabod calls it my son. The golem dies and only the doll is left. I like the scene. I uh, for being kind of a for, for having only been introduced to this creature in this episode and getting to the point where Ichabod's having to put it down like a dog, I kind of I liked how they played, especially for the look of this creature. I liked how this scene played out. It it, it was. Do you think the golem's really gone now? Do, do, do you cast Der- Derek Mears just to show up for one episode? Because you could have gone cheaper. If I mean, um, that that's the one thing. If, if it wasn't played by Derek Mears, I. I'd be like, okay, bye bye, Gollum. But the I fact that they 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 went for a big casting choice makes me think the Gollum could return. I mean, not to under you... not to undercredit Derek Mears, but I mean, I don't think it's like a huge casting choice to get you know the kind of guy that plays these kind of creatures to be on your show for an episode. That's yeah. just kind of what he does, though. I, I mean, he's well, well, relatively well known in in uh, you know geek circles, but I don't think he's the type of guy that would get more viewers to a show or, or require a, a, a bigger payday than someone else of his, you know, physical stature would get, you know, and obviously he's an actor who's very comfortable being adorned with excessive makeup and, and running and chasing. To state this for other, for listeners who don't know who this, who Derek Mears is, he, he, he tends to, he's, he's a very tall person. He tends to play these kind of makeup covered costume heavy characters he was um he was uh, jason in the last friday the 13th film he was i believe he was a predator in the predators movie um he's in the hills have eyes too. in the hills have eyes too yes he is uh he, he, can, he in, plays large henchmen characters in a lot of films he's in hatchet three recently Hatch- as a, as a human yeah um so yeah that's the kind of kind of roles he plays i mean brandon I, I guess if like if it was like doug jones maybe i could see him coming back i feel like there's more merit to that actor than Derek Mears. but i mean honestly yeah, i just don't i don't think that the golem is going to come back necessarily unless it involves jeremy in some way and like, well, i mean if we were going to see jeremy so i i'm you know i'm betting on that but I, yeah i just you know because when, when i'm watching the credits and you know they put Derek mears in the credits and it, i mean for a, a stunt guy like that, have you seen any of the other stunt people listed in the credits? Well, I mean, the the episode's named the Golem, like it's named after this character, like, and he's yeah. he's he's very. It's not just like 
it's a stunt guy replacing somebody in a scene. It's like this is the title character of this episode. So I mean, I can and he, you know, he's acting per se. Like he's it's not, he's not just there to to be in a suit. Like he's emoting and whatnot the best he can as this Golem character. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just found it a little. It was a little strange to me, but. I'll, I'll save that for my Derek Mears fan club pa- podcast. Okay. <laughs> Mears fears with Brandon. Mears fears with Brandon and himself. Uh, back at the station, Henry is ready to leave for his train. Uh, Ichabod and Abby thank him for his help. Obviously, John Noble, he's he's, he's going to be a regular next season, right? Is that correct? Or at least he's going to be re- re- reoccurring anyway. So Yeah, I'm not sure if he's a regular, but they definitely said he's going to be a bigger presence in season two, which... Okay. I think the three of them have a good, uh, you know, rapport together and make a good team. Yeah, he really fits yeah. right into this episode. Like it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like anyone's really out of place here, or like the balance is thrown off at all. It just feels like, yep, he's part of the group too. So yeah, I, I think I think by the end of the season, something will happen to like solidify him being a full time member of the group. I mean, him and Jenny, of course, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and Noble obviously played a, a similar character who served a similar function on Fringe. So this is, you know, familiar on the same network. So this is kind of familiar for him, and he just fits right in. And, you know, he's, he's just wonderful at these characters with eccentricities, but who at the same time is also most likely the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Henry leaves, Abby gives Ichabod his Christmas present early. It is a stocking, a stocking with his name on it, which Ichabod says, you embroidered my name on a, some oversized hosiery, which uh, humor me again. Uh, Abby explains the tradition of the stocking and whatnot. When Abby leaves, uh, Ichabod sees a, a mirror crack in front of him. It then mends, and suddenly Ichabod sees himself in the dark woods with Moloch's voice taunting him. And then this is said, I offer this warning, the saint's name is a sign, when you know my name, more will take form, then the end of the day begins, your death is assured, you and the second witness. I touched her soul once, soon it will be mine forever, and you will give it to me. Ichabod wakes up on the station floor, Abby finds him, and Ichabod states, Moloch is coming for your soul, he says, I will deliver it to him. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, So, what do we think of that ending? (laughs) And um, that threat. Uh, we're going to see probably it come close to fruition, I imagine, somewhere along the finale. And I bet uh, the exchange for Jeremy or something will probably be involved. It it did seem to me um, like some at some point in production they realized that this was the episode that, based on uh, the World Series and other scheduling issues, that this was going to be the episode that would air, you know, right before the holiday break. So it almost felt um, tacked on to have a cliffhanger to an episode that structurally didn't have one previous. I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't think the episode is just going to end like all happy. Like I think every episode has some kind of stinger at the end to kind of prepare you for the the week after. Perhaps. Well, what? Okay. So, what do we think of the episode overall for the Golem, uh, Maxwell? I mean, obviously, I think you could tell from my various comments that this was my least favorite episode of the series thus far. Um, I was still engaged because of the visuals and the strong characterizations, but I felt the writing was lacking a little bit, and it just felt simultaneously uh, rushed and sloppy. Brandon? I can go with Maxwell for a bit of of feeling jam-packed with stuff and rushed, but um, I, st- I, I still enjoy myself. I, I really like John Noble in the episode because I... 
for some reason, I, I felt like um, whoever's directing this episode or writing it was a fan of Fringe and uh, wanting, the, to, uh, it, wanting to uh, emit a lot of uh, Walter Bishop out of uh, John Noble. Yes. But it this... seemed like everything he said was great every time he opened his mouth. I was just like, oh, oh yeah. Well, the story but, credit The story credit comes from Alex Kurtzman, who is... Okay. Of course, yeah, so there you go there. And um, the teleplay, um, uh, Mark Goffman and Jose Molina, who've been writing episodes all season. So, I mean, yeah, it certainly has... They certainly know their fringe aspect there. Yeah, it, it was definitely very... He, he was very Walter Bishop, whereas he didn't really come off that way to me in the, the previous previous episode he was on. But, um, no, like I said, I had to watch it twice because I, I kind of, before today, I was kind of like, well, what exactly did happen? I, I, I took notes, too, and I was... A lot of it was getting away from me because I think it had so much stuff in the episode that what I was holding on to and what I wasn't in my head... Um, it stinks. It's going for a, gone for a month, but I'm sure these last three episodes are gonna just bam, 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 because we have the you know things getting set into motion that something is going to happen very soon. Yeah, I guess I. I mean, I think by default I agree that it's probably the least ep- the, the 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 episode I have the least regard for this season, just because it is a lot. It, it is heavy on exposition, and as interesting as the golem creature may be, we didn't get much of it, and it's not as inherently creative i guess is something like the sandman or some of the other creatures that we've seen throughout the season um again yeah i did i did i did have fun with this episode is because the show's fun in general so like I, I wasn't too down on it in that manner and i did think there's some you know the occasional funny line and whatnot and and you know of course we all continue to sing the praises of tom Mison and nicole bahari among the other elements of the show that are just always holding up but yeah, I, I agree that it, is, it does, you know, supply a lot of information, and you're throwing in the Irving stuff that's kind of on the side and has kind of one one thing to get to to kind of understand its purpose in this episode. I mean, yeah, it's it's throwing you a lot of information that's probably going to be paid off in the upcoming episodes. So it didn't really it, it doesn't really do much to make this stand out as an episode overall in the scheme of this season so far. Yeah, uh, this I mean, like the the stuff with. Um... Uh, when we had the the horseman's flashback exposition, even though it was you know, it felt like it was just there for the you know in that episode was when we first introduced to the guy and all that stuff that felt kind of natural and calm, and the, the stuff with Ichabod's son stuff felt just like with all that was going on just a bit much, in comparison or not. Right. <laughs> I don't have an, an opinion on that. All right. Any uh, any crazy hokum theories of the week, upcoming episodes or anything? Um, I think I made plenty of them during the actual yeah, synopsis this week. Just think if you had anything else. Uh, I I have one because I I have a kind of a, a thought on where this season could go given the the kind of the tag on this scene. I think it might like at the the end of the season. I think it might come down to Ichabod having to make some kind of choice between Katrina or Abby. Yeah. Um, I think that seems like a probable way for kind of Moloch to get to to play his hand and make Ichabod have to choose and make it make him either suffer or um kind of deal with something that's going to come about from Katrina being stuck in purgatory uh versus his relationship with Abby and how she's connected in all this do you think that possibly Jeremy is someone we've already met on the show you mean Morales uh, no <laughs> no Je- oh, no 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 but like a creature or something that has already been shown, do you think they'd pull that on us? Like, oh, it's been there all this time, and uh, see it. 
I don't think so because I feel like they. Because I was trying, to, I was trying to think of that, and I couldn't come up with anything. It was just a, a random thought in my head, and some I mean, kind, kind of twist they try to pull on us. This comes down to us kind of knowing this kind of business. I mean, I think we'd probably, you'd probably have not necessarily a big name actor, but someone that you'd at least recognize actor-wise playing playing his son, and not just like some random creature thing or something like that happens to be his son in the long scheme of things. That's a huge guess, or it's James Frain. I don't know. So whatever. <laughs> Or if it is Morales, that'd just be really weird, right? Because Abby dated Morales, and, and then she's it's like, so disappointing. Kind of, sh- you know, people are shipping for Ilya Kabat and Abby to get together. So, yeah, and and Morales and Morales would have killed her ancestors too. So, <laughs> what Maxwell? Katrina, the Katrina story does seem like one that could come to a close of some kind uh, by the end of this. Season. Yeah, because we can't just keep her in purgatory for the whole series, right? So we got to do something with this. Either get her out of there, or you know get her out of somewhere else so yeah well yeah all right so um obviously next week there's not an episode we have to wait all the way until january 13th for an episode that we don't even know the title of um so we don't even have a anything to really speculate on we are keeping us in the dark yeah um we do know that there's going to be a two-hour season finale on january 20th so that's cool that's my birthday boom <laughs> so yeah celebrate it sleepy style yeah, <laughs> that's that should be the on the, on the commercial celebrated sleepy style. So yeah, I'm you know excited for the show to come back. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have to pretty much sign off now, and uh, maybe we'll have something go on in between the uh, the break here between now and the the next episode. But yeah, I, I don't know yet. So for now, uh, that's gonna you know I think we've said I think we said all we had to say about the goals. So that's gonna have to do it for this week's uh, episode of the Icapod Cranecast. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Uh, Twitter.com slash BTPeters, and you can find uh, reviews and such from me on whysoblue.com and my blog, Naptown Nerd, which is naptownnerd.blogspot.com. Maxwell? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemaxwell. You can visit my own site at cinemaxwell.com or check out my uh, various uh, reviews and uh, awards coverage at uh, theyoungfolks.com. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash aaronsps4. You can follow my personal site, thecodeiszeke.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for my Blu-ray reviews. Um, you can be sure to follow... This show, along with the other shows, Ella at the at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network that hosts this show, along with the other shows such as Out Now with Aaron and Abe, the movie show that I host, the Walking Dead TV podcast, which I am also on occasionally, um, Long Box of Doom, and other shows about comics and TV and games and stuff like that with cool people. Um, of course, Ichabod Crane uh, at Ichabod Crane and Facebook.com slash Ichabod Crane and Ichabod Crane cast at gmail.com. Just contact us or like us or follow us in any of those forms. Leave us a voicemail, 972-798-3830. Any of that. Yeah, that's going to have to do it. Yeah, um, <laughs> iTunes reviews and ratings going to get those as well. Thanks, Brandon Maxwell, joining me again to discuss this week's episode of Sleepy Hollow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Yes, thank you. Thank you to the listeners especially, yes, for, for tuning in and you know, giving us purpose to continue doing the show. All um, right, and that being said, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, and a very... Uh, favorable new year yes good good call what he said good call on that one and for sure but until next time heads will roll
as heads as tails. Just call me Lucifer, cause I'm in need of some restraint. So if you meet me, have some courtesy, have some sympathy, and some taste. Use all your well-learned politics. 